Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. The thing is, as you were saying, so so many people are suffering from stress, from PTSD and um, other illnesses that are related to stress. If we take care of that component, our emotional regulation is probably one of the most important tools of high performance. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong and I have Arnas Juadka. I hope I'm saying that right. Almost. Uh, almost got it. <laughs> uh, AJ. I have AJ. I'm saying AJ with me here today. He is a, a, incredible. I mean, uh, so many different things going on with this guy. I mean, he is a human optimized. He is certified in NLP. He's a high performance coach. He is a master in many different things, including health and wellness. And he's been featured in GQ and Disrupt Magazine and Wall Street Journal and all sorts of other things. And so we are going to talk about how to become an optimized human today. So welcome, AJ. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And you are, are you like on a treadmill over there? What's going on here? I am. Yeah, exactly. That's my little treadmill workstation. Okay. So tell me about this. <laughs> it's ultimately when we're, our bodies are not designed to sit for an extended period of time. We sit way too much as human beings. So our bodies are designed to move. So I'm just working with my biology rather than against it. And when I'm working, um, I'm most productive. I'm the most productive self when I'm actually moving. So I have a little walking pad underneath my desk and a little workstation here with a nice view in the back and um, right in front of me. And we're just kind of moving and grooving. Oh my goodness. Okay. So he's putting us all to shame. Those of you who are <laughs> listening right now, you better get up and start walking. Uh, I am not walking right now. I am sitting on the tush and it's expanding as I sit here, I think. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but I want to hear about you. You were a sickly child. You had issues. You had a lot of health issues. Let's talk about that. Let's go back to the beginning. Absolutely. So you see, um, I was born in the middle of nowhere in Lithuania, in Eastern Europe. And uh, my parents were in the survival state, quite frankly. And the way um, I was brought up, I was born prematurely. And then the way I was uh, brought up, it was just they were doing their best. They did the best uh what they, what they knew at the time. And ultimately, I just got sick quite a bit. And they would just take me to the doctors. They put me on antibiotics. And at one point, I was on antibiotics for about five years straight. And that led to me 
just annihilating my immune system and having kidney stones at the age of 13. And people probably know that kidney stones is an old man's disease. So my- And that's painful too. Oh, it's really painful. It's, it's been equated to giving, giving birth. Um, and that's, if that was just one of the, I would say top five most excruciating pains uh, that I've experienced uh, in my life. So that was, that was pretty intense. And it's not even one of the, the, the top, okay, top five. We're going to have to come back to that. We're putting a pin in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, For keep sure. going. So then uh, ultimately what, what was happening, I was just falling apart. And my dad took initiative and he actually started, he's like, um, we're not taking more antibiotics. It's just going to be, uh, he's kind of forced me into movement, into doing stuff with, with my body. And slowly I started recovering. Um, I mean, the adulthood hit, and then I kind of transitioned into adulthood with a little bit of the foundation of, of what I had. Um, and I tr- started figuring things out. I wanted to reverse all the damage that has been done, all the stuff that I was carrying with me. I was very lanky. I was six, seven at the time, uh, probably buck 70, <laughs> something, something like that. And I, I started figuring things out. Uh, how to actually reverse damage? How to six seven at the time? Healthy. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm six eight right now, but I, was, I was I would say six 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 seven when I was uh, around twenty, and I was. <laughs> hey, that's what I, I just went. I heard I heard that, but okay, yeah, all right, keep going. Yeah, and I just got obsessive. I just got obsessive with figuring stuff out, and one of the first outlets of my you know, reversal of all this damage was fitness. So I put on about 50 pounds in half a year uh, by working out because I just dove right into bodybuilding and research uh, how to put on muscle. And that worked out really well. Uh, And ultimately, I realized that when I was super fit, when I was at my fittest, I would say, I was the most unhealthy mentally and physically as well because I was putting all, all this these protein powders into my body and this uh, other nonsense. And I was just not taking into account nutrition and what actually means to be well. Because fitness and wellness and health in general are oftentimes mutually exclusive. So once I realized that, then I started digging into nutrition. I uh, had insomnia, so I reversed that. Uh, Most of the things I learned organically because, hey, I experienced them. I wanted to get rid of them, so I went into the research into just uh, rabbit holes of optimization to reverse that, and then it just made sense to actually pass that on to people who are suffering. So that was that was my organic development when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to my sickly childhood into what I am and who I who I what I do right now. Yeah, interesting, really fascinating. So, and now you. Really, you coach people all over the world. You do retreats, online, in person. You do speaking engagements. You uh, coach private clients, corporate clients, and you help people have breakthroughs. And and you know, the people who listen to me, my audience is mostly people who are dealing in negotiation, but also dealing with toxic relationships, toxic people in their lives, people who have caused a tremendous amount of stress 
to themselves. I mean, they cause what I call a lot of drama, trauma, and chaos. They, they're experiencing really like PTSD. I mean, the, the, the amount of trauma is not just mental. I mean, it, it also causes a tremendous amount of trauma, uh, you know, to them physically and in all of their organs and all of their cells, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in every possible way that you can think of, you know, it's, it's like they're shutting down in a lot of ways. So, it's funny that you say that, Rebecca. You see, it's like 85% right now of hospital visits. I've seen these stats recently. 85% of the hospital visits at this point are stress-related. So that's, that's very interesting that you say that. Well, and you also have a quote where, you know, a lot of people will say, I can't afford to take care of myself. I can't afford more expensive foods, or I can't afford a gym membership, or I can't afford, you know, even to take my programs or your programs or whatever. And you say you can't afford not to. Tell me about that. You see, uh, it's one of the concepts and principles that I always follow. uh, And it's difficult because as humans, we thrive on immediate gratification. That's something that our brain is wired to do naturally. So if we do follow our biological wiring when it comes to our brain, then we go for the short-term gain rather than long-term gain. So short-term thinking overtakes our long-term thinking. And when it comes to evaluating, just objectively, just zooming out and realizing that a few extra dollars on organic food or uh, pasture-raised eggs or grass-fed beef is going to save you a lot of money, time, energy, everything really, when it comes to your health long-term. The hospital bills that you would have to pay, the time off work that you would have to take. And that's again, so when it comes to the biological, our mechanisms, our body, our meat suit, it really is one of those foundational things to take care of. That's the thing, I don't worry about my body anymore. It's just something that is completely in the background. I, it's automated. I don't have to worry. I still put in the minimal effective dose, what I call, to take care of it, to maintain it. But at this point, I don't have to worry about it at all. So that's something that allows me to actually go beyond my, my meat suit. You see, it's, it's, just, it's, it's a vehicle that we have to carry in this world and to tap into our full potential, our mental spiritual potential, your body has to be a strong vehicle that is able to carry you to, in order for you to actually tap into that. So 100%. that's one of the things, that's one of the most foundational principles when it comes to, to your body. And it's the, really the easiest one to take care of. So why not start there? And you talk about the four pillars of performance, biology, leadership, efficiency, and mindset, like this whole multidimensional approach. Talk about that. What does that mean? So you see, uh, after we take care of biology, that's our work is just starting. <laughs> so then um, leadership is, is the next super important pillar. It's when people, see, when people think about leadership, they usually think about how we lead others that we're on the stage, we're, we're presenting, or we're leading teams. However, 
every single one of us is a leader. And the leadership starts the way we lead ourselves. So how do we show up for ourselves? Do we actually practice what we preach? Do we lead by example? Because that's what leadership really is, leading by example. It's, it's really, really appalling when I see leaders who are saying things, but you can tell that they're not embodying them. And when you're not embodying something that you're saying, naturally, it's not going to resonate with the public. It's not going to resonate with you. You know that you're, you're fooling yourself, and that, that never works. Your, your higher self knows that, hey, this is, this is bullshit. Quite frankly, so leadership starts from within, and then it can actually emanate to others. And if you're some people who are listening, they might be okay. I don't really I work for myself. Uh, I'm a mom. I'm, I don't really I don't lead anyone. Yeah, yeah, you do. You lead yourself first of all, and you lead your kids. That's one of the biggest leadership positions that you can take up. And it's, it's super powerful. It's very empowering looking at yourself as a leader and seeing who are you impacting. Every single person that you have, that you have a conversation with, they're going to be impacted by your presence, by how you carry yourself, how you present yourself. So leadership is another super important pillar of high performance. Then when it comes to the next one is efficiency. You see, uh, if you were to take care of your body really well, would you want to take a year to do that or a decade? I mean, any, anyone, even now we're going back to short-term, long-term thinking and immediate gratification. Of course, a year is more appealing. And there are ways to, to do that. So understanding your lifestyle and how that's going to fit into your day-to-day, and if that makes sense, of course, you want to take a year. Because being, being effective and being efficient, also, those are mutual exclusive oftentimes. So once it gets stuff done, it's as easy as simple um, as that. So, and last one, it's mindset, mental health, and emotional wellness. That, that kind of encompasses that pillar. The thing is, as you were saying, so, so many people are suffering from stress, from PTSD and um, other illnesses that are related to stress. If we take care of that component, our emotional regulation is probably one of the most important tools of high performance. So sometimes, depending on, on the client, biology is usually the lowest hanging fruit to pick and to take care of uh, because for, for some of them, they, they just little tweaks make a massive, massive difference. But for most of us, emotional regulation, actually the trauma that we experience, the stories that are playing in our head, our subconscious programming that is driving our lives, as Carl Jung said, until unconscious becomes conscious, it's going to run your life and you're going to call it fate. I might be butchering that quote, but ultimately you're, you being able to pull out those subconscious patterns, those unconscious programming that is happening. So we have conscious mind, subconscious, and unconscious. Once you start tapping into that world, you see that Everything, every single thing that you do is done unconsciously and for some reason to, to fulfill one of your needs. So we go into human needs, we go into, into subconscious patterns. That's why I'm trading NLP, other modalities, and we're able to unpack a lot of the mess 
that is actually driving driving your life and identify that one big domino that is going to allow your mind operate more effectively more efficiently so those are the pillars Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zone. Something that my partner says, she says that words are spells. And as funny as it is, we actually, the way we use our language really affects us. And when we're not mindful of the way that we use our language, it's very easy to, first of all, cause harm, cause pain to others and yourself. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. So it's crazy, but, um, but you know, I just think like, I don't know if you're a parent or you're facing hard times. Like we, we know that our character is built in those moments, but like we also like our safety is built in those moments and nobody can take away the knowledge of problem solving and figuring out how to be resourceful. Nobody can take that away from me. And it served me so well. And now we return to today's show. Okay. I I love the concept of NLP, by the way. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Bring that um talk about NLP a little bit with me because I, I want um my audience to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. So the interesting something that my partner says, she she says that words are spells. And as funny as it is, we actually the way we use our language really affects us. And when we're not mindful of the way that we use our language, it's very easy to, first of all, cause harm, cause pain to others and yourself. When, for example, um, when you say should, I should do this, that's automatically the judgment that's in there. That is some guilt or shameful emotions, which are the lowest of frequency. And you want to spend as little time as possible in those, in those states. So uh, when we're using our language, neuro-linguistic programming is ultimately uh, is working with our subconscious mind and how, how we, first of all, use our, our language, how um, we interpret data, how, what we're impacted by, and ultimately you're able to rewire with the, with the techniques from NLP. You're ultimately able to rewire the fears, the insecurities, the um, language patterns, the disempowering beliefs, we're able to untangle those and actually rewrite from, from the subconscious, from the subconscious mind. So, okay. So give give me one way of being able to rewrite uh, a disempowering belief. I'll actually, uh, this one, 
I'll give you the rewriting is a bit more complex, but let's do the, the one that is coping, coping with the disempowering belief. You see, uh, one of the easiest techniques that I give, give to my clients, friends, anyone really that <laughs> who comes to me is, you see, we have that inner critic, that inner dialogue. Do you, do you have it sometimes, Rebecca? Everybody does. does. Are you kidding? I call okay. it the idiot. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, you don't respect it. <laughs> yes. Okay. And what is it? What does that voice sound like when it's actually talking to you? Yeah, I mean, it it doesn't. It's not a very nice person. It's not a person that you would actually allow in your home if it were an actual person, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. You say you you know you're pretty rude. You're not yep. a nice person. Like get get mm-hmm. out. But yet you allow this person to you know walk around in your brain. Right. Exactly. So uh, usually when when you kind of unpack that, it's usually like a lower voice. It's kind of naggy. It's just it's just it's just annoying, as you said. It's, it's just rude. Um, what I tell people to do, what I instruct people to do, is ultimately put a Mickey Mouse voice on whatever it says. I'm not worthy (laughs) or I'm not enough. And that's, that's the automatic response is laughter. So you can't take that shit seriously. Right. So that's one of the first steps to cope with that, with that voice that comes up. And the more you kind of catch it and the more you deal with it, the more aware you become. So that's one of those little simple techniques that makes you more aware of when it actually comes in. Now, when my inner critic comes, I, I see it coming for miles away, I was like, okay, I'm just going to observe you. I don't need to engage with you. I don't need to put a Mickey Mouse, a Mickey Mouse voice on you, voice on you at this point. I simply, I'm simply going to observe you, let you pass like, like a cloud in the sky. Because what happens, you see, we humans over identify with our, our thoughts. All of us had some horrendous thoughts. And if you're, if you're saying that you're not, you're lying because you probably thought about probably killing someone or hurting someone really badly. You, you haven't done it, I hope, but you thought about it. So if you were to over-identify with that thought and actually execute it on it, well, you would have gotten in a lot of trouble for yourself and just, just others. But our thoughts are just, they're just like clouds. We choose, we have the ability to identify with any of them or not. So it is a choice. And that choice is ultimately a practice that we develop through meditation, through these modalities, there are a whole slew of things ultimately to, that, that we can, where we can start. And it takes time, of course, because most of us have conditioned our mind for 20 years to whip us and just do everything that it tells us. So, mm. so would where, be, where would you short. start? Where, where would you tell people to start? So that would be the first step that is, as I said, that Mickey Mouse voice. Uh, then you become more and more aware of when it, when it comes on and then you're able to, you're able to rewire it, to control it a little bit. And then one of the most powerful modalities for that would be meditation, of course. Uh, because you see, my mentor says that our mind is like, a, like an untrained dog at this point. So imagine an untrained dog. What happens if you leave it in the house? It's probably gonna oh, poop and everywhere. All over. Believe me, I have I have a dog yeah. <laughs> here, but he doesn't do that anymore. Most of the time, right? Exactly. He's gonna eat your slippers, uh, just yeah. munch on your shoes, just make make a massive mess. So, 
And that's the same thing with our mind at this point. It's, it has been off the leash in the house and it's just causing a havoc inside of us. Uh, when we actually are able to, the good litmus test for that, if you just sit down right now uh, and close your eyes and for a minute, for one single minute, if you want, you can even pause this podcast after I explain this. For one minute, just focus on your breath. And if you're able to focus on your breath for one single minute without taking your attention to anything else, what you have to do, what you've done, anything, just your breath, you pass the test. You have some control of your mind, but you don't even imagine right now probably how difficult that's going to be. And when I'm saying, oh, it's just breathing, it's just observing my breath. So try that for one single minute and see what happens. So once we, once we see that, we probably haven't lasted more than 17 seconds. <laughs> That's one of the things that, hey, okay, I can actually train my mind to extend that period of time. And that's where it all starts. That's where really everything starts. After our biology, that's usually the next step that I take is, hey, get in control of your mind because it's also not that complex. So that would be definitely where, where I start with, with a mind. Yeah. I, I, I think of it as sort of like a wild horse that you just sort of have to teach how to tame a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, you bring it back in, you bring it back in. It's okay if it goes wild, but, you know, you bring it back in um, and, and, and just sort of forgive yourself. You're going to have thoughts. You just go, okay, there it goes back in. You know, yeah, it's just a thought. It's not you. It's a thought. And once you actually start identifying with it, then it becomes you. And as I said, we get to choose which ones we identify with. If it's something positive, if it's something that drives you forward, yeah, hell yeah, identify with it. Go, go with it. Yet when it's something that really know that isn't serving you, why even mess with that? What's the point? Yeah, exactly. And especially if it was something, you know, a lot of times it was, you know, thoughts that we drew conclusions that were faulty when we were 10 years old or five years old or something, you know, and then we kind of lived with that and and then found evidence and reality for that, you know, over and over again. And then now we believe that that's true, but it really one came first, you know? That's actually very powerful that you say that because that is, that is very accurate. Some t- at some point when we were nine, nine years old, our dad said something to us that made us interpret that, that, hey, we're not good enough to do something. And a lot of people right now in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, they're still acting as that nine-year-old they're still drawing conclusions for that nine-year-old child whose dad said something that, hey, uh, was we interpreted probably wrongly or our parents just simply didn't know any better at that point. So they passed on their unconscious beliefs, unconscious programming onto us. And one of the most powerful things is to take, take charge of that, of that wiring and unpacking, cleaning, cleaning out the house of the things that are not serving you. And it's super, super powerful. Whether it's, um, I have a few great humans on my team, hypnotists who actually help me out with that, with cleaning out the house, taking the trash out, because there's a lot that accumulates over the years. So um, that's something that really is super helpful to just unpack. 
Well, I love that you said that because I um, I always say, you know, set it at the curb. Let the trash man roll it away. You know, just <laughs> there you go. Out. Um, yeah, I love that. And you say, I saw you say in one of your um, interviews that you, we can change our lives way quicker than we imagine. Like, it's not as hard as we think. Talk no, about that's, that. that's the thing about that. Um, that's, that's something that the belief is. That, hey, it takes time, it takes grind, it takes this, it takes that. When you're actually letting go of the addiction of who you are right now, and if you're willing to forego it, it just just completely let that go. Any any beliefs, any, anything that you are right now, if you're actually willing and able to step into something new and actually admit that you're wrong, it's not going to be pleasant, but it's going to take so much less time for you to actually become the person that you want to become. And uh, when it comes to change, we are, the whole habit patterns, all of that is valid. I don't discount that at all. Yet, if you take the right approach, if you find that big domino, which I'm looking at all the time, that one big domino that is going to change everything, then it's so much easier easier than we think. Our our mind works like that. That's the thing. Uh, it's it creates ultimately what most people are stuck in is in the loop of thoughts and emotions that feed each other. Yeah. So those thoughts and those emotions keep feeding each other in this never ending loop, and and we get addicted to them. It's just like food that we get addicted to because our our taste buds get hijacked by the refined food that most most of us ingest these days. And um, so if we are if we are not able to if we're not willing to kind of zoom out for a little bit and reevaluate, okay, this is the thought pattern, this is the feeling that I have, and I really don't want to feel that again. Okay, this is this, this is that, and you just kind of take inventory of all the all the patterns, all the it takes a bit of introspection and usually outside help uh, to identify that. But once you kind of unpack those things and you're able, you're willing to really be wrong because everybody wants to be right. I want to be right all the time. It's just, um, I got used to being wrong all the time and actually celebrating that because our schooling system does not teach us that. And once I actually step into that discomfort of being wrong and uh, not being able to have it my way, things change way quicker than, than you'd ever imagine. We're able to attract, attract things that we actually want and deserve pretty much immediately. And that immediately takes, again, it, 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 depends, it depends on how willing you are to just let go of your identity, whatever you identify as at this point, and let go of those thought patterns and emotions that are ruling your life. Well, I know everyone who's listening here is so ready to let go. And, and this was such gold that you delivered. And I can't believe how quickly our time went. Um, so where can people learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Where can they get in touch with you? So the easiest way would be Instagram. That's human.optimized. And that would be probably, I, I'm pretty active on there. And you can shoot me a message and we have all kinds of stuff going on from retreats to 
I coach less and less one-on-one. Uh, so if I do have a spot, I would love to work with some motivated individuals who are willing to, willing to change and make lasting change. Uh, if not, we have amazing resources. Um, I'm running a company, personal development company called um, Yogi Lab. And one of the offerings that we have is actually free. The most precious thing that you can, that you can ever do or, or um, that best personal development course, if you will, that you could take is our 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. So if you're looking to master your mind and you have 10 days uninterrupted that you can dedicate to that, that's, that's one of those things. So uh, 10 days on meditation retreat. And by the way, that, he lives in Bali, for those of you. I, I didn't mention that at the beginning here. So, you know, he's like in the spiritual capital. I don't know. It seems, you know, it, it seems to me of the world there. So um, I think that is... Um, really awesome. Go follow him on Instagram, check him out um, and, you know, get in touch with him check out his stuff, check out his free things. And um, thank you, AJ, for, for delivering an incredible pearls of wisdom today. Thank you, Rebecca. Absolute pleasure. Hope this helps someone, someone gets inspired. And hey, one of the things that that I always say, do not lose that momentum of inspiration. Take the smallest possible action that you can take right now after you finish this podcast. If you're, if something resonated, if something inspired you, if something that clicked for you, go, go after some sort of a resource. Just take action and follow that path. Yeah, absolutely. Go do it right now. Great, great words of inspiration. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.